This is My Child Will Thrive, and I'm your host, Tara Hunkin, nutritional therapy practitioner, certified GAPS practitioner, restorative wellness practitioner, and mother. I'm thrilled to share with you the latest information, tips, resources, and tools to help you on the path to recovery for your child with ADHD, autism, sensory processing disorder, or learning disabilities. My own experiences with my daughter, combined with as much training as I can get my hands on, research I can dig into, and conferences I can attend, have helped me to develop systems and tools for parents like you who feel overwhelmed trying to help their children. So sit back as I share another great topic to help you on your journey. It's episode one of the My Child Will Thrive podcast, and here's what's coming up. Let's talk about what's the difference between mitochondrial dysfunction and disease. There are also medications that can interfere with mitochondrial function. A quick disclaimer before we get started. My Child Will Thrive is not a substitute for working with a qualified healthcare practitioner. The information provided on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat your child. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any information or treatments that you have learned about on this podcast. There are many gifted, passionate, and knowledgeable practitioners with hundreds if not thousands of hours of study and clinical experience available to help guide you. Part of our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools you need to effectively advocate for your child so that you don't blindly implement each new treatment that comes along. No one knows your child better than you. No one knows your child's history like you do or can better judge what is normal or abnormal for your child. The greatest success in recovery comes from the parent being informed and asking the right questions and making the best decisions for their child in coordination with a team of qualified practitioners in different areas of specialty. Now on with the show. Welcome back. I'm so glad to have you here today. We're going to dig into mitochondrial dysfunction and why should you care about this for your child? So it took me a long time to figure out that my daughter suffered from mitochondrial dysfunction and that was leading to a number of her symptoms that she was expressing. So I'm hoping with a quick review today of what it is, what to look for and what you can do about it, it could help your child too. So let's dig in. Before we go too far, just in case you don't remember your biology class from back in high school, let's just talk quickly about what mitochondria is. So they are the double membrane organelle that plays a central role in the production of ATP, or ATP is the energy in the living cell. So it stands for adenosine triphosphate, and it's used to transfer the chemical energy needed for all metabolic reactions. So ATP, or, or sorry, the mitochondrial themselves are, are found in every cell, and uh, mitochondria have their own DNA, and they can, every cell can contain from anywhere from 500 to 2,000 mitochondria. And it just depends on the type of tissue that uh, the cells are making up and how energy dependent it is. When it's generating the ATP, it's using nutrients in order to do that. It's breaking them down to create the ATP. And during this process, it generates uh, reactive oxygen species within the mitochondria. And in order to, and so those are free radicals that you've probably heard about before. And so in order to counteract the free radicals, it requires an antioxidant, in particular, the master antioxidant glutathione to counteract those reactive oxygen species and not damage the mitochondria further. So as you can imagine, glutathione plays a major role 
in uh, protecting the integrity of mitochondrial function. So now that we have a little bit of background on what mitochondria do, let's talk about what's the difference between mitochondrial dysfunction and disease. And you've probably encountered this in some of the other things that have happened or go on with your, your child, that although they have a lot of the symptoms of something, they do not fit the clinical disease state for a particular diagnosis. Mitochondrial disease, you're going to see extreme clinical symptoms, and it's going to impact, as I said before, the high energy-dependent tissues the most. So it typically, if they're in the disease state, it impacts and creates disease states in those high energy-dependent tissues like neurological disease, uh, gastrointestinal disease, and uh, immune dysfunction. Now, I'm sure you're thinking that your child has a number of those um, challenges in those particular systems in the body. So let's dig into um, what the signs and symptoms are of mitochondrial dysfunction, not necessarily disease state. Sorry, and just before we do that, um, the only way to definitively diagnose uh, mitochondrial disease is by doing a muscle biopsy, which is a very painful procedure and unfortunately often results in false negatives. So what we've found uh, or what they found in clinical practice is that you can address mitochondrial disease or dysfunction without necessarily having a definitive diagnosis through clinical trials of trying out many different um, therapies that can be used. And we'll get into those in a little bit. But before we do that, let's jump into whether or not these signs or symptoms sound familiar to you, and it might be afflicting your child. So the symptoms of mitochondrial dysfunction are fatigue, uh, language impairment, so that would be um, apraxia in terms of a diagnosis, um, social impairment, uh, weakness, clumsiness, poor growth, gastrointestinal abnormalities such as constipation and diarrhea. As I mentioned before, there again, you're starting to see where it's impacting the high energy tissues and systems. Seizures, headaches, developmental delay or regression, low muscle tone, and cognitive delay. And this is in particular referring to delay in processing. So they have a hard time processing information. Um, so slow readers and um, slower uh, working at, at um, other types of cognitive skills. So some of the clinical signs are oxidative stress markers are high, lower glutathione concentrations. As I mentioned before, glutathione is required for protecting the mitochondria and the cell from the reactive oxygen species that are generated from the production of ATP. So if you have your child has lowered ability to produce uh, glutathione, then they are likely going to have challenges with their mitochondrial function. Increased tumor necrosis factor alpha, increased nitric oxide, um, increased glutamate, abnormal calcium signaling, propionic acid or clostridia signs, and cerebral folic deficiency. If they've been diagnosed with that, they are likely also have um, some form of mitochondrial dysfunction. If that sounds like your child, you might want to know why, what's interfering with their mitochondrial function. There are a number of things that can impact mitochondrial function, but in particular, these days, toxicants are one of the biggest factors. As you know, in particular, the exotoxins are the toxins that come from outside the body that impact mitochondrial function are things like heavy metals, mercury, lead, arsenic, cadmium, and aluminum, pesticides, 
and diesel exhaust. In addition to those exotoxins, we also um, find that the endotoxins, in particular propionic acid from Clostridia, which I just mentioned um, before as a sign of mitochondrial function because it's a precursor, um, obviously, to disrupting the mitochondria. There are also medications that can interfere with mitochondrial function. So in particular, um, acetaminophen or Tylenol, uh, risperidone, and salicylates such as aspirin, and valproic acid, which depletes carnitine, which we're going to talk about um, the role of carnitine in uh, mitochondrial function. Um, The other area would be hypoxia. So if your child has been low oxygen exposures uh, or lack of oxygen exposure, or they've suffered from anemia or things like that in the past, that's why a number of the children that get um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy uh, respond well in terms of improving their mitochondrial function. Also, um, decreased metabolic reserves, as I've talked about before, uh, because of the oxidative stress that's caused by the production of ATP, there's lower glutathione, or sorry, because of the oxidative stress that a lot of our, our children have in their systems, um, there's low, they have lower glutathione, and that will then decrease their ability to deal with the reactive oxygen species in the mitochondria and impair the production of ATP. Let's talk about what we can do about all this. So if you think your child sounds like they have had have some of the signs and symptoms and you want to talk to your practitioner further about some treatment options, there are a number of things that can be done to help improve the energy production in the body. First of all, it looking at nutrient therapies um, and nutrition, you want to limit fasting um, and increase meal frequency. So when we talk about fasting, we're just talking about spacing between meals. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that your child's um, doing a full-on fast where they're going without food for, for a very long time. Even looking at the spacing between um, meals during the day and when they're having their last meal at night um, and how early in the morning they're getting their, their first meal. And improved hydration. So uh, it's really important for these kids to be hydrated for many reasons, um, but one of them will be cell integrity. So in order for the nutrients to get into the cell for the mitochondria to be able to do their job, um, you need really uh, you need a good cell membrane integrity and, and hydration as part of that. Um, you also want to avoid any toxins. Uh, we've already talked about the toxins that can impact your child, mitochondrial production. You want to obviously avoid things like heavy metals, pesticides, diesel exhaust. And if they are dealing with um, endotoxins such as uh, propionic acid from clostridia, you want to deal with that uh, GI imbalance, or sorry, gastrointestinal imbalance, um, because clostridia is a result of a form of yeast. And uh, you want to make sure that um, you are addressing that with your practitioner. You're going to avoid the medications that impact um, mitochondrial uh, function. In particular, a number of our kids are often prescribed risperidone, which is one of the mito uh, drugs that that impairs mitochondria. So you're going to want to talk to your practitioner about whether or not that one's the best choice for your child. In addition, we want to avoid as many physiological stressors such as illness, uh, dehydration, which we've talked about the improved hydration. So that's another one of the reasons why it's a big physiological stressor, Um, fevers um, and temperature extremes. 
Now, obviously, when our children are sick, they're going to get a fever, um, but it impacts our kids that have mitochondrial dysfunction um, even further and can really set them back. So you're going to want to manage the fever as best you can. Not uh, temperature extremes, meaning that they aren't out in the extreme heat or the extreme cold for any length of period of time. Again, so their, their body's not trying to keep up with either cooling or heating it up. If your child's going to have surgery or anesthesia, um, you're going to or need to fast for a procedure. You're going to need to put a want to put a plan in place in in order to minimize the the challenges that that will cause them by being put in that kind of uh, physiological stress. So obviously that you could have as much supportive care during any of those stressors. Now, one of the things that goes to some people is counterintuitive is that in order to increase the number of mitochondria, which I mentioned before, how there can be as many as 500 to 2000 mitochondria in a cell. Obviously, the more mitochondria you have, the more energy or ATP you can produce. So in order to increase the number of mitochondria in the cell, consistent moderate exercise is necessary. And many of our kids are not interested in exercise because they are fatigued and weak. But as they, um, you just do a little bit more every day, they will build up more mitochondria and um, it will help actually get rid of their weakness and fatigue. So the other supports that you can put in place are nutrient supports. And obviously they can be done through diet or uh, supplements, but in most cases, people find that the therapeutic doses uh, are required and a supplement therapy is is easier to implement. Um, You're going to want to talk to your practitioner about what combination or what products will work for you. There are a number of nutrients that will work um, to support the mitochondria. But um, there are a number of supplement companies that have put together cocktails or what you call a mito cocktail um, to help support your child so you don't have to get them all individually. So the ones with the highest level of research support are L-carnitine, coenzyme Q10, and the B vitamins um, B1 and B2, which are thiamine and riboflavin. And there is also um, significant research in the area of um, going dairy-free and how that um, has a positive impact on mitochondrial function. Additional nutrients that have been shown through clinical practice um, to be very effective are pyridoxine or B6, uh, panathenic acid, B5, vitamin E, vitamin C, so we're um, that a number of the antioxidants, um, alpha-lipoic acid, which is also an antioxidant, vitamin K, folinic acid, uh, methyl B12, selenium, uh, ginkgo biloba, D-ribose, acetyl-L-carnitine, and of course, um, glutathione itself. So once again, it's best to talk to your practitioner about which ones based on your child's um, signs and clinical symptoms would suit them best. And typically your practitioner will uh, recommend introducing certain things one at a time so you can see what the impact is so that you are minimizing the number of supplements that your child needs to be on and um, making sure you're choosing the ones that are most effective for them. Uh, I Typically what I do is I like to track um, what I'm doing with my child in, in terms of adding on by keeping both a food and supplement journal and um, also uh, detailing whatever the protocol is and when I've changed it so that I can see uh, what the outcomes are for that particular that particular uh, protocol. If you are interested in any of those things, um, I have 
both a food journal um, that you can download on the My Child Will Thrive website, as well as a biomedical and nutritional therapy tracking um, one-page tracking sheet that you can use um, to write down the protocol that your practitioner has given you and keep track of everything that's going on. So I hope that this has been helpful for you in terms of taking a look at one of the areas that a number of our children have challenges with, which is their energy level, or um, which goes right down to the cellular level, and how their mitochondria are producing ATP. And by addressing these things, I am hoping you'll see the types of outcomes I have um, for my daughter by improving the supports to her mitochondria and um, giving her the much needed boost in energy and cognitive processing and a number of other things uh, positively since we have made those changes. Hop on over to the My Child Will Thrive website and you can get a free cheat sheet uh, on mitochondria dysfunction. So it will outline all the signs and symptoms we discussed today. And it will also outline all of the different treatments, therapies, and nutrients that can support mitochondrial function for your child. With this one page sheet, you'll be able to review um, what protocols your child is currently on and um, which ones you might want to investigate further um, with your the help of your practitioner. I look forward to any of your questions. Please feel free to comment on the My Child Will Thrive website or send me a message on Facebook. So that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me this week on My Child Will Thrive. I'm so passionate about giving you the tools and information you need to help your child recover. And as they say, it takes a village. So join us in the My Child Will Thrive Village Facebook group where you can meet like-minded parents and stay up to date on everything we have going on at My Child Will Thrive. This is Tara Hunkin, and I'll catch you on the next podcast or over at mildchildwillthrive.com.